This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. The Rays Radio Network proudly presents This Week in Rays Baseball. Swing and a high fly ball. Right field and deep. Geyer to the wall. Rays win. Rays win. Rays win. D-Man Toy with a two-run walk-off home run. The Rays winning ways here at Tropicana Field continue. Coming up, we'll recap the action from this past week, take a look around Major League Baseball, and sit down for in-depth interviews with the biggest names in the game. On the lineup, he pitches. Adamas launches one way up into the air into left field. This one's got a chance. Turning Benintendi, Willie Adamas. With his first big league hit, it's a home run against Chris Sale. Here's your host, Neil Solons. Welcome to our latest show on deck today. Ryan Yarborough on Pursuing Perfection last week. Arrested Destrada from Fox Sports Sun on the week gone by. I'll chat with Durham manager Brady Williams. Learn a bit more about pitching prospect Joe Ryan and look nationally at the trading deadline with Richard Justice of MLB.com and MLB Network. Well, we continue on This Week in Race Baseball. Our featured guest is Ryan Yarbrough. And, Ryan, it's now a week since you were involved in that perfect game effort in Baltimore. As you look back, what are you going to remember most about that? Uh, just really the experience. Honestly, it was something that uh, obviously the more I thought about it and later that day we were kind of able to look back and kind of think about some things and how uh, memorable those kind of moments are and those things don't really happen very often. So just blessed to be in those situations. And uh, obviously you got to think you'll there always be a little something in the back of your mind like what could have been. Uh, but at the same time, you got to be really excited about uh, how we were performing and uh, just on a personal level, just going out there and really keeping a team in check like that. Would you consider it the highest moment of your major league career so far? And if not, what would be? It's definitely got to be up there. Um, if, if honestly, Obviously, if we would have finished it off, for sure. It, that's definitely probably up there, I think, last year uh, for my rookie year and just setting the rookie wins record just something that had been there since the beginning of the year just little things like that where as in as a team we were doing so well and then for me to kind of be on the same thing breaking that record something that'll definitely sit me with me for a while as a team this started off as such a great week um with that performance with darno's performance and then since then it's been kind of difficult does that make it a little more difficult to kind of enjoy a moment like that when you're having some tough times as a group uh, a little bit, honestly. We're uh, like you said, we start off really hot, and we've been kind of going through a little, a uh, little bit of a tough stretch right here these last five games. But uh, it's one of those things where I feel like if you kind of go around the clubhouse, obviously we were wanting to win some games, but I don't feel like it's uh, deteriorated or anything of how we feel like we can have this season going. So it's just a matter of uh, just going out there and winning a ball game today, and then hopefully get on a hot streak. Yesterday, you pitched extremely well again. Um, it was a little different because you started versus opening. Is this the best run that you've been on? Um, do you think as good as you were overall last year, it seems you're even a little more crisp this season? Yeah, obviously, uh, it was a lot of consistency last year. And um, 
at, at least at this point right now, I'm really excited about and happy with the fact that I'm just kind of persevering. Obviously, I had a little bit of a tough stretch going at the beginning of the year and uh, really ups and down, really trying to find some consistency. So uh, that's just been really the main goal, has just been going out there, being really prepared and uh, just giving your team a chance to win some ball games. And it's just been a really fun time right now for me on a personal level. As much as no player wants to be demoted or have to take a step back, do you think that might have helped you in some way, shape, or form? Oh, well, that initial time, it was it was a matter of just really getting my feet underneath me a little bit. We've been kind of going through some weird stretches, uh, being used-wise, so just really going down there and kind of uh, just bringing it down to the, the bare knuckles and just really just laying your foundation again and building yourself back up again because having such a tough start to the year for me and to not really get going just really get some momentum and carry it over and when I feel like when I got back after that everything started to really see a difference. And you had the injury in spring training too which I think probably kind of limited your ability to get stretched out. Yeah exactly and I think that was all part of it and so there was just a matter of like hey we we love you and this is nothing to do with like how you're performing at the same time, I realized I wasn't throwing the greatest at the time. It was just like, we really are going to need you down the stretch, and this is going to be the best for you going down there and uh, getting stretched out. And uh, hopefully we can kind of continue those trends and continue going forward the rest of the year. Your stuff overall obviously hasn't necessarily ticked up, but I think the crispness of the cutter, the changeup, have allowed you to really use both sides of the plate much better. Do you agree? Yeah, it's, I mean, it's, it's been one of those things where just really uh, understanding uh, how my stuff works and when to use it and stuff like that, reading swings, little just like pitching and, and like the pure essence of it. So just really going out there and just understanding when I should be throwing certain pitches and what counts and what you can get away with and where you kind of need to have certain pitches has been a, a big thing for me. Who's helped you the most with that? Uh, there's been a couple of guys, honestly. Uh Obviously, the catchers talking with them every between innings, so Travis and, and Mike, and just really picking their brand, like, hey, this is where I'm thinking with this, what are you thinking, kind of thing. Obviously, Kyle Snyder from being with him every day, and then honestly, uh, talking with Charlie Morton a little bit, just really understanding how to get to that next level, because it's one thing to have some success, but how to sustain sustain it, so just really talking to him how he goes about some things, what he does in preparation, things like that, and so he's been a big help. From the mental or the physical, or where, where do you think he's helped you the most? Oh, definitely the mental. Obviously, uh, as physically, we all kind of know where we're at with our bodies right now. And I mean, we're at the, uh, the at the major league level, so we obviously know what we're doing a little bit physically. But obviously, there's going to be some tweaks here and there. But just the mental side of like, hey, this is how I prepare. Just really being trying to absorb as much information from him and the other guys. Yesterday you started the game where we talked about the perfect game. You followed an opener, Ryan Stanek. How is it any different for you anymore when you're doing one versus the other? And do you think it's beneficial for you when you do have Ryan Stanek pitching in front of you because the two of you are so different when one guy has to face one and then you? I think that's why, uh, like you said, it works so well, the opener, and, and certain situations where some guys I might not necessarily work with because we're so, like, a, a different right left he's more up down with 100 miles an hour I'm more east to west with just really sinking and cutting and uh changing speeds so that's why it does work so well and you've kind of seen that throughout this year and last year um and it wasn't really that big of a difference honestly from the day-to-day perspective because obviously we have a I have a pretty similar routine from 
when I'm bulking or when I'm starting. So uh, it's just a matter of when you're getting ready a little bit instead of going out there to start the game compared to coming in maybe the second inning. So uh, it's been prepared for it, and it's something we've done for both ways, but you've kind of seen success with it. Obviously, you've had some really good moments this year, um, some growth moments, and I know this is a big year for you too. Is this you're getting married this off season? Yes, we're getting married in November, so uh, it's definitely a big year. We're really excited. <laughs> it was something where uh, someone had texted me after the perfect game bid. It was like, "Hey, that would have been really cool, but it would have been the second best day of the year for you." So I got a little chuckle out of that. And uh, but no, we're really excited. It's coming up in November. Is everything pretty much done, or what are the what are the remaining? Because you guys were engaged last year, so you did have a lengthy engagement to be able to kind of prepare. Yeah, it was. Uh, luckily, we like you said, we got engaged last April, so it was. We had a ton of time this offseason to get most of the big stuff taken care of, and we got to do a couple of the fun things over the All Star break, like the cake tasting, which obviously I wanted to be a part of. And uh, finishing up on the flowers, just little things like that, so the details. So we're getting excited, and uh, I think uh, invitations are going out here soon, so it's coming up fast. Are there what flavor cake is it, or, or do you want to reveal that, or or is there a are you a cake guy? Well, I mean, obviously, when you get to try free cake, you're not going to say no. So I mean, that's just a no brainer. But we're going a couple different styles. I mean, I don't want to give away anything too anything too crazy out there but obviously they're not going to be the the normal traditional flavors we want to go a little something out there for it all right i know that you were in jake freya's wedding and he did the whole in and out thing is there something that you had to have for the wedding that kind of made it ryan yarborough a little bit uh not really for me honestly it was more of making sure obviously nicole is really happy and I'm a very laid-back guy, as you know, so it's just a matter of if we have certain things, like if, as long as everyone shows up on time and everything like that, I'm good to go. But there was we're not having any any outburger, obviously, being on the East Coast anyways, but I think the one thing Nicole's really excited about is we're having a little donut wall, so just donuts everywhere, which she's going to be ex- super ecstatic about. You're a donut guy too? or I can dabble. I can dabble a little bit with some donuts. All right, all right. Um, you know, because I figure – obviously happy wife happy life but i didn't know if there was one little thing that maybe you wanted that would be kind of a a personal touch for for the wedding from your side uh honestly we obviously with the dj and stuff just like some music and stuff like that i'm uh and we're obviously gonna have a good time and it mainly was just about having all the people that we love and care about there with between friends and family so that was really the big thing for me and uh everyone that we love and uh care about is going to be there and this place is home for you too does that make it easier or harder to be pitching and you know now you're living here you're you, this is going to be your home and it's your home in baseball too it's fantastic honestly being able to uh especially uh text my parents and let them know hey i'm throwing tomorrow and both of them respond right away like all right we'll be there so it just it's just that uh convenience factor and having all that support here right at the and then an hour's drive away from lakeland and over there in uh, clearwater area so it's a it's a blessing for sure. Race on the runway is today, right? Are you both you and Nicole taking part? Oh, absolutely. We're gonna look great out there. Uh, we have a little girl named Kelsey, and she's gonna be the star of the show, obviously. So uh, we're really excited. We did it last year. It's a great cause, and uh, it's a good time going out there. It's definitely out of our element. Uh, we're not the modeling types, but uh, it's something that uh, it's always something good to do once a year. And for you, you've been involved with reading with the race too. As a guy who grew up in this area, what does it mean to be involved in the community as an athlete? I think it's a, 
It's incredible, obviously, with the community that really supports us every day to at least give back as much as we can throughout the year. And uh, we're really excited about it. Like, we've done some readings with the Ray. We've done some uh, visits to some of the children's hospitals uh, during the year and in the off season. So we're really just trying to be a part of the community and help out in any way we can. Well, so far so good and continued success on the mound. We appreciate some time on This Week in Rays Baseball. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Ryan Yarbrough, and we'll continue in just a moment. You're listening to the Rays Baseball Network. Well, we continue on This Week in Rays Baseball, and time to take a look at the week gone by, and it really started promising for the Rays with Sunday being close to perfection in Baltimore and Monday uh, the tremendous performance by Travis Darno, but it certainly has been a tough week since. Joining us from Fox Sports Sun, Arrested Destrada, and oh, uh, it, it's. It, I mean, it had promise the beginning of the week, and yeah. the Rays are hope, hopefully going to start this next week with uh, on the right foot. Yeah, I, I mean, Neely, listen, we uh, the players, the organization, the coaching staff, uh, and very much so the fandom, including us as uh, commentators, kind of reporters, analysts, media, uh, kind of suffered through. You know, as I call it, the. These are the rays of our lives, uh, you know, the exciting soap opera that is a major league season for the Tampa Bay Rays or for any team. And one thing I will say about it, this is the only sport, MLB baseball, major league baseball, that mimics life, you know, closely in the sense that it's once it starts, it's day to day to day, every day, every day. Uh, it's not once a week, it's not once a month uh, or every four years like the World Cup. It's daily. So what happens? You know, when you fail, it, it, it's very, very painful, especially consecutively. But you, you have to feed from the failure and search for the successes. And you continue to do so. There's still enough time, you know, with over, you know, 60 games left to, uh, to, to make hay and, and do some damage. And certainly get into the postseason. You know, I think the division chances were hurt a lot by what happened yeah. in New York. Um, and just in general, the, the Rays' inability against New York. Do you think there's that big a gap between the clubs, or is it more mental than it is physical at this point? I think um, there's definitely a gap in uh, at Yankee Stadium, and, and I'm going to tell you why. Uh, the Yankees have done a fantastic job, uh, and so have the Rays, mind you. And again, you know, as mentioned many, many, many times, it will be again. You know, with with less wherewithal for the Rays as far as expenditure money, but still very calculated signing uh, that Cashman and his crew in the baseball ops made. Uh, when you think of Boyd, you know, you think of the third, the third baseman, Ursula, Ur- Ur- and, and, and a few other guys. Well, you know, D.J. LeMahieu was, mm-hmm. was spectacular. D.J. LeMahieu to the Yankees was what, you know, Morton has been for us, uh, a, sta- a stabilizing all-star force uh, that was much needed. So, but for them, it, it turned out that it was much needed on the offense, and it got them going. Here's why I think that they're a little out of match. Number one, bullpen, if you work backwards, bullpen, um, it just – dramatic yes the, the second tier hittable first tier at times unhittable unless you know you have a miraculous monday uh but other than that you know they're they're pretty pretty darn good surprisingly their starting pitching has been uh, very good and uh, sometimes you know dominating us so then you go into the hitting and i don't think we can keep pace you know homer to homer we're, we're pretty darn good we almost got 10 uh, 10 guys i believe we're at seven and with a couple guys on the precipice of 10 home runs with nine, you know, to, to, to have the, uh, almost 10 guys with 10 or more home runs, that says a lot. The difference is they have maybe seven, but five of them have 15 or more, 20 or more. So 
you know, they have calculated that the jet stream, or I call it jet blue, at Yankee Stadium has become almost like Fenway, if you think about it. It's almost become like the green monster on the flip side. And they're going after right-handed power hitters that can flick it to right field. They're on a story pace for opposite field home runs by right-handed hitters, both for the home team and for the visiting team. So now everybody's going after that, and uh, but they're the best at it. And they've been, and obviously they've been especially good against the Rays. Um, at one point, they scored 14 straight runs in that series off the home run. You know, the other thing that I think stands out over this week, and I think it's really been a story, a good part of this season. This Rays team is usually about ninth in the American League in runs scored right now. They've kind of hovered in that area. And the reason they really have been higher is the struggles they've had with runners in scoring position. It goes for yeah. the games against the Yankees and really everyone else. I'm, I'm very surprised about that, to be honest with you. We had, that, we had this major snafu problem a couple of seasons ago, and it was, it was very dramatic. Uh, we had it a little bit early on in the season last year to some degree, and then, you know, it, it really kind of got right, especially in the, after the second half, especially after Tommy Pham came over, some other guys really caught on. And the type of hitters that, that uh, you know, Bloom and Eric Neander and his fine operations crew have kind of put together are more slashers, you know, more Ben Zobrist type guys that I think put the ball in play and left center, right center. So it's surprising that they struggle so much with the bases loaded. That's one. But forget about that because that doesn't come up that often. They struggle dramatically just with runners in scoring position. What does that mean? Runner in second or third, and especially with less than two outs, mm-hmm. which is almost a gimme, uh, Neely. And, and uh, this is frustrating, and it's costing games, honestly. You need to kind of really concentrate on hitting it towards the middle of the field. It's easier said than done, but nevertheless, it is a talented enough team to do so, and they've been pull happy. So then when they get pitched away, a righty to a righty or, or vice versa, you know, uh, they're they're spinning and hitting the ground balls when you try to pull or swinging and missing instead of up the middle. It's nice to see Troy yesterday go, uh, not yesterday, but on Friday night go up the middle. Nice to see, I think there was another one. Oh, Brasso. Yeah, Brasso. I'm really enjoying that kid. Brasso, you know, with his, uh, I call him the bro, because anybody who starts with B-R-O in his name, you know, as much as I text, hey, bro, thanks, Neely, bro, uh, I got to call the guy the bro. And uh, he's very impressive with a quick bat, hit the ball middle, and, and drives in a lot of runs. Because when I looked at his stats, he came up this year and in past years being a, a, a serious RBI guy. He has been. How much has Matt Duffy been missed? Because I think the expectation is he could be back for the Boston series that begins tomorrow. Dramatically. I, I think I talked to Chad Matola, man, about a month ago about his coming back, and then he had that the little, you know, setback, right? And he was maybe a month ago, he was probably like a week away, and then, mm-hmm. and then he had the setback. And Chad was so excited about him, not because he's like, you know, this Nelly Cruz masher coming into your lineup. It's because of the stability of what we just aforementioned talked about. You know, you know, just have some steady guys to see how, you know, consummate professional puts the bat on the ball, hits it square all the time really kind of, you know, another guy like a Tommy Pham that takes more pitches or an Avi Garcia. We're having too many spin-to-win kind of guys, including even the very talented Austin Meadows who's come off the break now back on point, you know, hitting the ball center and left center. But for a while there, he went south after all the home runs and, you know, started spinning a little bit. So he adds that element of a guy that could maybe centralize his team. I can't put too much on him 
because that would be tremendously unfair. But I can't put a lot on him as a, as a leader and, you know, watch what I do with my at-bats and, and, and how I go about playing the game. And then one more thing to watch for today, you got Blake Snell on the mound. The Rays have really not gotten a, length, a lot of length from their starters. The bullpen has no. been worked awful hard. Going into the Boston series, how important not only is that Blake gives the Rays a good start, but a longer start? I agree with you 100%. He went five, you know, four strikeouts. You know, he pitched okay for him in Yankee Stadium and other, you know, the circumstances that he's been pitching under, which is kind of good start, bad start type thing. I am optimistic about Blake and the start. I, I feel that he's got a good 6-7 in him. He needs to, wants to, and should just take off. Need him to almost beat Charlie Morton, to pick up the Charlie Morton, you know, baton, and then Charlie Morton continue on. And then all of a sudden, that's how the last 60 games you go, you know, 17, 18 games over 500 and get well over 90 wins, 91, 92, 93, and you're in the mix of this thing. That can happen. It's not a given, but this team has the potential. By the way, I'll leave you with this. A lot of pressure is not only on these players, these young guys and veterans, but also on Bloom and Eric Neander and his crew. Because last year they pulled off some great trades that were incredibly beneficial. So that push to 90, it needs to happen again. We'll see how it goes in the next 10 days, and we'll see how it goes today. Oh, have a good call. Thanks for joining us on this week in race baseball. Always great with you, Neil. And that is Orestes Destrada of Fox Sports Sun. Let's pause for station identification on the Race Baseball Network. WTAE St. Petersburg, WBTP HD3 Clearwater, W224BE Brandon, and W237CW Pinellas Park. Well, we continue on this week in race baseball. Time to take a look at things on the minor league side. The Rays have had so many contributions from uh, AAA Durham, and they've been doing a terrific job in their own right uh, in the International League. Their manager is Brady Williams, who now joins us. Brady, thanks very much for a few minutes. Yeah, how you doing? Good. What has what it meant to have the contributions that Durham has made to the big club from your end? Uh, it's been a lot of fun for, for all of us uh, just to watch the big league team and what's been going on. And it seems like every night there's a a guy out there that played for you or, or uh, has impacted the, the team this year. You know, Mike Rousseau and Nate Lowe and the bullpen from Pagan to Kittredge to Poche. It's been a lot of fun for all of us to watch. I know you got uh, creative with some of the call-ups you've had over the last several months. The one with Mike Brasso stands out when you pulled your, your group over um, at the side of the road in, as they were traveling. Was that the one that stands out the most to you? And if not, what does? Yeah, I think it's it just kind of happened by chance. We're just sitting there, and I got a text from Eric uh, saying that we're going to call up Mike, and we're, we actually already stopped on the side of the road. And it just kind of made sense to have fun with the guys and, and get, get fake mad and, and tell them to get off the bus and start yelling at them and kind of spin it and tell everybody that Mike was going up. It's been it's, it's been a challenge at times to try to get uh, to tell the guys that without if the news getting out, so much social media and things going on, you can't like get none now moves ahead of what's going on you know just trying to get creative with that and, and having fun with it i would imagine that's a different challenge now uh than even what existed five years ago i mean guys probably started to hear things but uh social media moves things probably a lot quicker than they did uh at any point yeah for sure and there's been times where players have known moves before I'm that's that's something you don't want so just trying to keep things in house and still trying to get creative and have fun with the guys because it is a special moment. You know, that, that moment when you tell somebody they're going to the big league, a moment they'll never forget. They'll, they'll tell their kids and they'll tell for years to come. And so you want to make it special and you want to make it important. 
let's touch on some. I want to touch on some of the guys that have that haven't had their first call up because your roster has changed considerably. You've had a lot of guys who now have come up from Double A AA to Triple A who really are getting their first full taste of that level. Uh, beginning with a guy um, on the mound, Sam McWilliams. I know he's only made a couple of starts for you, but he was having a fantastic year in Double A. He's he's really made a lot of improvements from from last year. Uh, I had him last year in Double A, and you know there was there was moments there where he showed signs of. Uh, an impact big league pitcher and there was other signs where stuff really ticked up and there was other times where he just couldn't put put the whole package together and this year he seems like he's done that and he's come up here and he's had two outings now he's gone five innings and he, he probably could have gone more but pitch count got him at, at times and you know the, the heat maybe of you know just taking him out earlier than what he should have but overall he's really looked good he's been really consistent with his, with his fastball command his off-speed stuff's playing better this year and his velocity staying the same, and so uh, to see a young kid make that kind of change in one one season is really really uh, fun to watch. And uh, hopefully, he can continue to do that for the next for the next years to come. And he's a guy that the Rays lost to the Rule Five Draft and then got back. So hopefully, this means that uh, he'll end up on the forty man and have a chance to get to the big league sooner than later for the Rays. Uh, Jesus Sanchez is in his first year on the forty man, and this is his first state in AAA. What have you seen? There's always going to be challenges when you move up, and uh, early on, his first couple of days, he kind of saw the different challenges where he's seen a 2-0 breaking ball, and he's seen a 3-0 changeup, 2-1 breaking balls, and so he's he's seeing a lot of different pitching. He's working hard right now. He's, he's having really good at bats, like even yesterday. He didn't do two rough double plays where unfortunate outs, um, just guy standing in the right spot, so... There's a lot of things coming for him. Defensively, is one thing that stands out with him is he's really played good. Uh, good reads in the outfield, good jumps, and, and making some nice catches out there. So if he continues to do that, the bounce going to start coming, coming around because he's always hitting, he will hit here. You had two guys who recently got moved up position players. It looks like Kevin Padlow's having a breakout year, and I know Lucius Fox is a pretty darn good athlete uh, who's getting a chance to play some uh, middle infield. Yeah, and Fox is going to figure it out. I mean, he's a dynamic player. He's He's obviously a speed-first player, but he, he he can impact the game in many different ways. Uh, it's just putting it all together. Defensively, he's, he's making improvements. Obviously, switch hitting is, is going to be a challenge for him to make be consistent both sides. But overall, he's been uh, he's been fine. He's been there for a couple games, uh, getting his feet wet, and I think uh, as he calms down and understands what the level is like, he's fine. Padlo uh, from from spring training day one, I remember seeing him and just the the change he made in his body. Uh, and his attitude—not that his attitude was bad—it was just, you know, the mindset of coming in to win a job and, and compete every day. Just he made a lot of changes this winter, and you saw him from day one in spring training. So it's not a surprise to me what he's doing this year. I'm really happy for the kid. He's a hard worker. Uh, he loves baseball, and he's obviously doing it uh, in Double A. And now he's come up here and he's hit his first home run, and he's impacted us. He played a nice third base and actually played second base uh, for the first time this time. Good to hear that he's. Uh providing some versatility i want to touch on a couple of guys who've been there for a bit with you michael perez wants to get back to the big leagues how has he looked behind the plate i know his numbers next to the plate are pretty darn good he's been a pro i really you got to tip my cap to him because he's uh you know, all this been thrown him this year in a professional manner and it's, it's showing that on the field he has been a leader on the field for us for the for the pitching staff he's taken the, the communication and the leadership role very personal, and he's, he's he's taken to it. He's talking to the pitchers. He's trying to figure out uh, their best pitches, how to get guys out in between innings. You know, obviously he's doing his part offensively, but the, the main thing that he's doing uh, is behind the plate, 
Uh, he got dinged up the other day with a, a foul tip, so hopefully he can get back in there and start playing again. But uh, we miss him when he's not in the lineup. And, and I think probably the big thing the race wanted to see is just durability with him because he's not, for a catcher, he's not really that big a guy. And he had got banged up twice since he had joined the Rays, uh, once with that oblique injury, which is what led him to go down the AAA Durham. And then last year he had the hamstring issue. Yeah, he's showing signs of, of being durable. I mean, he's gone, uh, he's gone up to four games in a row, mainly going two days behind the plate and off or two days and then a DH. Uh, the the foul tip the other day was just uh, unfortunate play. It wasn't something that he could have uh, prevented. So the durability is there. He's he's playing well, and uh, hopefully he can continue to do that. And there are two guys we didn't touch on that I, I know we talked earlier about guys who you know getting their first call up and getting that major league debut and what it means for you to tell them that. Uh, Kian Wong is one of them who who obviously has you know just kind of been I think fair in the wrong place at the wrong time, but's had a terrific year. He's a really good player, and his time is coming. I keep telling him that because you don't continue to hit the way he hits and not get a chance in the big leagues. And we always tell him that you're playing for 29 teams, 21 teams all the time. Not that you can't get to the big leagues with us, but continue to play your game because good things happen to good people, especially people that, that work hard and play hard and put up put up numbers. I mean, you can't take away what he's done in AAA. He's still young. He's 24 years old. His third season here, he's, he's accomplished a lot of things that many many kids have. And he's been an MVP of a championship. He's been an All Star and Triple A twice. So there's good things coming to him. It's just keeping his chin up because I know he's just frustrated at times. But uh, he's a good player, and, and his, his time will come. And speaking of good players, I know he's a little banged up right now. But how good a season has Jay Cronenworth had for you? Impressive, you know, just from everything from pitching to hitting to defense, uh, the workload that he's been through as far as going back and forth from playing shortstop and then going and throwing a bullpen and coming in the game and getting three outs. I mean, there's a lot of demand is really high for him to, to go out there and perform at a high level. And he's, he's answered the bell and he's done everything that, that we've asked. And I think everything that he expected to do uh, as far as being a two-way guy. Unfortunate little hamstring he had uh, a couple of days ago. Hopefully he can rebound from that, get healthy, and finish strong here on AAA. Brady, good stuff. We hope your team finishes strong, and we look forward to a lot of contributions to the big league club in the future. Thanks very much for a few minutes on this week in Rays baseball. Appreciate it, Neil. Good talking with you. And that's Durham manager Brady Williams coming up. One of the surprising stories in the Rays system and a look at the national scene as we're 10 days from the trading deadline. This is the Rays Baseball Network. We continue on this week in Rays baseball, and the Rays have had many tremendous stories in their minor league system this year, but uh, probably near the top of the list is pitcher Joe Ryan, who now is with the Charlotte Stone Crabs. Joe, thanks very much for a few minutes. Congratulations on your year to date. Well, thanks for having me. Tell me what you have thought of your year and maybe what your expectations were going into the season, because this is your first full year in the minor leagues, and you've put up eye-popping numbers. Um, yeah, so just going into the offseason, it was just working hard, getting stronger, moving a little better, getting the body in sync. And then um, I think rolling into spring training, it was just sticking with that plan and not trying to think about doing too much, not thinking about getting ahead of yourself and just taking it day by day. And that was one of my themes last season in Hudson Valley. Um, Probably after the halfway point, we were just taking one skill that I was going to work on every single day. And it could be as simple as, like, I want to just stay on top of the ball or, like, I need to to get – on top of my curveball, like something really simple or my glove side's leaking, even as far as like I need to go do extra conditioning today. So doing that and it keeps every day fresh and um, and, and you're not looking forward to 
too much. So you were drafted last year by the Rays, obviously. Where What did you learn from your experience in Princeton and Hudson Valley, and where do you think you've improved the most then this year since the numbers have been so good? Well, if you want to mention Princeton in there, then I, I would say that uh, I learned you can move because I was only there <laughs> for five days. And then uh, Hudson Valley was great. Um, it's a great spot. They give you a lot of freedom to do what you had done to get to that point. And then also... Um, just learned some things. Uh, first time I'd gone 140 innings in, uh, ever. So it was like, okay, how do I manage this? And uh, they did a really good job. The velo was actually peaking at the end of the season, so that was exciting to see. Um, and then just it was good to go out there and compete in their first pro season, and they really like allow you to do that. I want to learn a little bit. I want our fans to know a little bit about your story because you were you grew up in California. Obviously, were you always a baseball guy? Were you always a pitcher? And if so. Um, who were the guys that you watched or, or enjoyed growing up and wanted to be like in some way, shape, or form? Uh, growing up, I was a big Giants fan. Loved Matt Cain. He was probably my favorite pitcher. Um, Tim Lincecum, obviously, there, too. I, I would say I played baseball in baseball season, and that was about it. Um, I watched baseball in baseball season. I played the game. It was more water polo, swimming, a lot of like mountain biking. My dad's a huge ultra runner, so I'd, we'd He'd be dragging me out of bed literally on a Sunday morning for some long runs. So there's a lot of that and just like being outside. And then I'd say my junior year of high school is when I really just started to focus in on baseball and um, realized I had some potential there. Just the people around me really helped me with that. And yeah, and that's, I think that's where that focus really was honed in and everything got to get better and it got better pretty quickly. So um, that was pretty exciting for me. Obviously, I mean, you went from. Uh high school to Northridge, Cal State Northridge to Cal State Stanislaus. How did that happen, and then how did uh, were you surprised at where you were drafted? You were a seventh-round pick last year. Yeah, um, went down to Northridge and was down there for three years. It was an interesting experience, and I definitely learned a lot about myself and took that. I mean, obviously, I'm, I'm using some of that now as well, um, but I think going to Stanislaus last year was probably the best move for me just as far as getting to work with some new coaches and a new environment and yeah it was good it was just kind of the opposite of LA out there in uh Turlock which was perfect for me at the time and um the coaches there Mike and Kenny were outstanding and it, it couldn't have been a better fit last year so that was exciting and then going into the draft um didn't really uh I, I don't know I mean you think you're gonna go where you're gonna go and I'm couldn't be happier to be here with uh the Rays and how much I've learned so far from them and uh, how much it's helped me. So, I know that they have a reputation for using um, analytics and helping pitchers grow. Um, what had you done analytically before you came to the Rays, and what have you learned, and how has it helped you? Besides looking at the radar gun every once in a while, that was, uh, that was pretty much it um, as far as getting here before, but now it's it's it, the, all the information's there as far as trackman data and your spin rates extension uh all that's there so if i need it i can go look at it our pitching coach down here in uh port charlotte has really helped me doc watson um and i don't really i really don't look at it that much anymore but uh it, it shows some good results off of uh the data is improving off of things that we're doing just between us with simple work on the mound and it, it helps my extension helps my spin rate so it's exciting to see like you can you can go check with the numbers but i'm not really focused on the numbers, I would say. 
the one thing I hear about you, having not seen you in person, is about how good and how lively your fastball is. Has that always been the case, or are there things that you're doing differently that's allowing you to get the swings and misses you're getting on it? Um, I wouldn't say it really changed too much. I think it's the the last thing we changed uh, probably a couple of weeks ago was just getting a little more relaxed and not trying to do too much, especially with that pitch. And I think it's always been there. I think that comes from that water polo background of just having um, good extension out front and really having to finish the pitch, especially throwing a water polo ball. If you're skipping the ball, you really got to finish that throw and have it skip off the water and create that backspin. So it's very similar to that, I think, as far as getting that good finish on the fastball. Um, and I think that's been my biggest success with that, getting the spin right there. And the other pitches in your repertoire, what are they and how often are you using them and how much have they improved this year? Yeah, so I started throwing a curveball actually midway through, or I, I would say like I started tinkering with it in college a little bit, Did never really threw it a game, and then there was a uh, count, I guess, I had bases loaded, no outs in Hudson Valley in my like, second outing there, and I uh, I threw three curveballs in a row, and that was the first time I'd really used it in the game and struck the guy out, and I was like, okay, well, adding this pitch in now, so uh, <laughs> yeah, I've been... I've been throwing that now for since, since I would say last June, and um, it's interesting. Like it's definitely evolved. It was a spike curve, and then I just went to a more traditional now. And um, Doc's really helped me with that. And I've been using that, um, I would say, quite a bit as far as my secondary pitches go. And it's been getting better and better as the season's gone on. Changed a couple things grip wise and release point wise. And obviously, you're always going to be working that throughout your career. But um, yeah, that, I'm happy with that pitch. And then the changeup's been good. I just haven't been using it that much. Yeah, m- mainly I would say that fastball, actually the cutter has been the biggest thing that we added here. Hunter Wood was down here throwing, and he showed me that. And then they had wanted me to start working on a harder breaking ball. And so it was just like perfect timing. And then I talked to Honeywell for a while, and he was helping me with that. So that, that's been like a, a really, really good pitch for me. I, I threw Alvarado was down here actually a couple weeks ago and got to play catch with him, and he obviously has a great one. So um, learning from all the big league guys that are coming down and coming through this spot, that pitch has been very effective for me. So I would say the, the two breaking balls and then the changeup's kind of been pushed away, but it's there. I just need to incorporate that a little more now. Obviously, you're one who's not afraid to ask questions of, of other guys. How important is that to you? And, and it seems like throughout the system, there's a really good camaraderie, but also competition where guys are working with one another to get them better. Yeah, no, totally. It's like I said, like the organization is outstanding and it's the best organization in baseball for a reason. And so, I mean, you're, you have these guys coming down and they're actively asking you questions or talking to you about stuff. So that's been very beneficial for me. Just obviously picking guys' brains that are in the big leagues and have done it um, and are getting hitters out at the highest level. So it's those are the right guys to ask and yeah so it's it, that's very helpful and like that checking with what the coaches are saying what the coordinators are saying like everything checks out so it's um, working out well for me and then from a, a non-baseball standpoint obviously you can't live eat and breathe at 24 7 or it's going to consume you you mentioned uh your your exploits in water polo before you got to the pro ranks what do you do to kind of uh, ease your mind and and kind of when you're off the field I definitely, uh, I guess it's still at the stadium, but I'll, I'll get in the hot tub and the cold tub for a while and kind of uh, challenge myself how long I can stay in the cold tub sometimes, and it gets pretty funny. But, um, 
then I don't know, just getting outside, hanging out with the buddies, going over to someone's house, hanging out in the pool. Um, mm-hmm. Joe Rogan experience, I would say, is uh, a go-to one for the podcast. I uh, am a frequent listener of Joe Rogan, so and everyone does know that my Instagram name is the Joe Ryan Experience, which was pretty funny. <laughs> um, found that lot, found that one last year. No, I don't play video games. I've I've never actually had uh, a console or anything, so I'll. I'll pick it up and uh, mess around with the roommates every once in a while, but um, definitely not in my routine. Well, your uh, your routine has worked, certainly this season, with the numbers you've put up. We wish you continued success, um, and uh, we appreciate some time on this week in Rays baseball. Thank you. And that is Rays pitching prospect Joe Ryan. Through yesterday's start, he now has a 2.07 ERA for the year and 134 strikeouts in 91 innings. Now let's move back to the Major League side, and with the trading deadline 10 days away, let's look at things nationally with one Richard Justice of MLB.com and MLB Network. Rick, Richard, thanks very much for a few minutes. Hey, glad to do it, Neil. Thank you for having me. You know, this week, uh, I, I think, you know, things have changed a little bit, as they tend to do during the trading deadline. The Yankees have kind of made a push and pushed themselves further up in the East. In fact, yeah, I would argue that they might be the team to beat in Major League Baseball right now. What's your take on on the overall look of the American League and how it impacts the trading deadline as we go forward? You know, like you look at Texas. They've had a remarkable year. They're above 500. They have a pitcher, Mike Miner, that everybody wants. And what do they do? Do you go into your clubhouse if you're John Daniels? This, this is how important it's gotten, Neil. John, the... The, the, the Rangers are in Houston this weekend, and the general manager, John Daniels, who almost never travels, is with the team. And he just wants to talk to Mike Miner and say, this is where we're at. So it's teams like that that you have to decide if you're in and out. Basically, we have seven teams in the American League that are in. And teams like Cleveland that we thought uh, were going to be rebuilding are very much in it and may now be the favorite to win the Yale Central. So that, that's the bigger picture. I agree with you. The Yankees are the best team. I would say the Astros have an, a real sense of urgency to add to the starting pitching. And everybody else is trying to tweak. And if you're Boston, I don't know what to think. They haven't been what we thought they would be. Certainly. And, you know, with that said, do the Yankees – is there a need for the Yankees to add? Yeah. I mean, and, and if so, where? Because – um, it's them and the Dodgers that have really opened up their divisions. Yeah, and it's funny. Both of those teams feel a real sense of urgency to do something, but it's a different kind of sense of urgency. It's not to get to October. It's to be better prepared when October rolls around. The Yankees really want a starting pitcher, and they would really prefer a high-end guy. Marcus Stroman makes so much sense. It's, it's crazy. The Dodgers feel... The Dodgers are not going to feel good about their team unless they add at least one reliever to a bullpen that's kind of shaky. And it seems kind of funny because, like, I think the Yankees and Dodgers are going to play in the World Series. And, but it's a, you know, it's a different feeling. They want to be in a in a place where they feel more comfortable that they've given their manager every option once they get to October. But yeah, they both badly want to do deals. You know, the Rays have seen the Yankees seventeen times. They haven't seen the Astros since the opening <laughs> series. I know that you know Houston, everyone at the beginning of the year said this is going to be the best team, this is the team to beat. They've had a lot of injuries, but you mentioned the concerns about their starting pitching. Do they have enough behind Cole and Verlander to make this all work and to beat a team like New York uh, in the postseason? Well, you know, it's funny because they have a pitching staff that you could look at and say that, that's an October pitching staff. 
in that you have two great starting pitchers in Garrett Cole and Justin Verlander. You have two great late-inning relievers in Ryan Presley and Roberto Osuna. You have another good starting pitcher in Wade Miley. But Oakland's playing great, and the Astros don't have fourth and fifth starters. I mean, they just don't. They thought their top two pitching prospects would be ready to go then. So one of them is in the Gulf Coast League. The others had Tommy John surgery. It just hasn't worked out, and everybody else has either failed or not played well. Their lineup is great. They're, they have prospects at AA and AAA that in a normal year with a normal team would be in the big leagues. They can't even crack the lineup. But Jeff Luno is, feels a great urgency to get a starting pitcher. Previously, he has declined to trade his top five or six prospects, You know, settling on operating on his own terms. I don't know if he can do that now because they feel like they may not get to October if they don't do something about the rotation. Uh, I mean, win the division because Oakland is really, really good and they're within five and a half. And we've seen this movie before last year where <laughs> Houston won 103 and Oakland won 97 and they just punched and punched right down the stretch. And the, the maybe the difference this year, though, is that, you know, you mentioned Texas. What if they do hold on to Mike Minor and the Angels are above 502? They're at least much more competitive teams outside of Seattle in the West versus, let's say, the Rays, who obviously have fallen off this week, but they still have a lot of games with Toronto and Baltimore. So there are two teams there that are below kind of that uh, at the bottom rung, whereas the West only has one of those clubs. Right. Texas is really competitive. And, you know, I don't know if you're a general manager. We talked about that earlier, like how you can go in there and take pizzas away. I was talking to some of the Rangers on Friday, and they just said, you know, we feel like we're in. They love their manager, Chris Woodward. I mean, he is the prototype for what a manager should be in 2019, much as Kevin Cash is. Mm -hmm. And the Angels intend to buy. You've got the best player in the game. You know, you've got a bullpen that's really good. They're going to go out and try, even before Tyler Skaggs' death, they were going to go out and try to add to the rotation. In other words, forget what Fangraph says about their playoff odds. They think when they look at the landscape, Minnesota, Cleveland, Tampa Bay, Boston, that there's nobody in there they can't pass. And that's an interesting way to look at it. You mentioned Minnesota. That's a team we haven't touched on, and you think Cleveland can catch them? I think so, too. They haven't had a bad stretch, a really bad stretch yet. They've kind of leveled off a little bit. Are they going to add? I know they're a little bit ahead of where people thought they would be for this year. Oh, they feel a great sense to add in that, yeah, they're ahead of where they've been, but they're not playing well right now, and uh, they feel they need a pitcher, a, a, a starting pitcher, a bullpen. The, the conversation is in the in the Twin Cities has been, Remember, we've traded away prospects before. It's you got to be careful when you do that. But I think the way their baseball executives look at it is there aren't that many years when the, you see a window, and uh, you got to go for it. And I, I think you know, it, it, I think the way the Rangers and Angels look at it too. We may not make the playoffs, but we're not going to curl up in a fetal position. We're going to play meaningful games in September, and we're going to let our fans know we did everything we could to give you what you want. So it comes down to, are the Giants going to trade Madison Bumgarner and Will Smith? Are the Rangers going to trade Mike Miner? You know, we have, we're 10 days to the trade deadline, and we have a lot, lots, in, lots of things in play. And one of those is, I mean, you mentioned the Giants. There's really, what, only seven teams that are beyond five and a half games of a playoff spot here with 10 days to go in July. How many teams and really good players are available to choose from? It certainly would appear to be a seller's market versus a buyer's market. It is. If you've got starting pitching, 
And starting pitching and relief pitching, that's what everybody wants. It is the seller's market. So if you're Cleveland and you got Trevor Bauer, I think the way the Indians look at it is we could trade Trevor Bauer and stay competitive. I don't think they feel like they could trade Brad Hand, their closer, and stay competitive. If you're San Diego, where you've done an amazing job of, of gathering all this pitching talent, uh, young pitching talent, but and you have a reliever that every team, and Kirby Yates, that every team wants, what do you do? Do you think two years down the road, or do you think, hey, we're still in it now? Same thing in Atlanta. They, they have all kinds of pitching. But they need a they need a late inning reliever in the worst way, and it almost it shows up again every every year. It's not it's different in Washington, where it's time for them to win. Since they since Bryce Harper made his debut in 2012, the Nationals have won the second most regular season games in all of baseball. Only the Dodgers have won more, but they haven't won a postseason series. So whatever you ask for for them, if you've got a Brad Hand to trade or Kirby Yates or you know Felipe Vasquez or somebody like that, I think the, the Nationals would be more uh, internally obligated to pay it because it's time. It's time for them to turn a corner, and especially the year after the offseason after losing Bryce Harper, you want to say, hey, you know what, we're still pretty good shape. Good stuff, Richard. We appreciate a few minutes. These next 10 days are certainly going to be interesting, and we appreciate some time on this week in race baseball. Thank you for having me, Neil. And that is Richard Justice of MLB.com and MLB Network. We certainly appreciate him coming on our program. Hey, you can listen to your favorite Rays radio announcers whenever you go with the DJ Kitty Mini Speaker. It's courtesy of Sagicor Life Insurance Company. All fans receive the Bluetooth speaker when the Rays host the Marlins on Saturday, August 30th. That's or August 3rd, rather, while supplies last. For tickets, go to RaysBaseball.com and raise up. I want to thank the other guests we had on the show today. In addition to Richard Justice, we had pitcher Ryan Yarbrough, also Ressus Destrada of Fox Sports Sun, Brady Williams, manager for the Durham Bulls, and Joe Ryan currently pitching for the Charlotte Stonecrabs. Remember, if you ever have something that you want to hear on the program, all you have to do is tweet me. You can do so at Neil Solons. On the program next week, we will chat with catcher Travis Darno and much, much more. Rays and the White Sox are coming up as the Rays look to salvage the last of that series. Special thanks to my producer today, Derek DuBose. I'm Neil Solon. Stay tuned. The pregame show is next. Thanks for being with us on the Rays Baseball Network.